Uma jinatumanundisya, jina jina salakaya, chakshun militanyin at tasmai shi gurave namaha, vantikoptu bischa, kripasindabhivicha, patitana bhavane bhavashna vijidamo namaha, om namo bhagavate vasudivaya, om namo bhagavate vasudivaya, om namo bhagavate vasudivaya, nastatriyeshu abhiyeshu vicham bhagavate sevaya. So, good evening, everyone. We will proceed in our discussion of the ten topics of the Srimad Bhagavatam, as explained in the twelfth canto presented by Sri Sutta Goswami. Uh, Sukadeva Goswami presented the ten topics at the end of the second canto, and then Sutta. Goswami presented them in the twelfth canto at the uh, conclusion of the Bhagavatam, near the conclusion. So we went through the majority of these. We'll quickly review what we already touched upon and then we'll go in a little more depth on the items that we didn't touch upon and we'll see if we reach the concluding remarks on the Tattva Sandarbha this evening. So you have the uh, sheet for reference. Atrasargo visargascha stanam posanam utaya manmantare sanukatha nirodo muktirashraya. That is uh, Sukadeva Goswami's verse from the second canto. Sargos yatha visargascha vritti braksan taranicha. Vamso Vamsa Nucharitam Samsta Hetur Apashraya. That is Sutta Goswami's shloka, as chanted in the twelfth uh, canto. And as we explained in the last class, uh, Shridhar Swami, that famous commentator on the Srimad Bhagavatam, who was very much appreciated by Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. In his commentary on Sutta Goswami's verse, he does point out that the two listings, although the Sanskrit terminology is different, they refer to the same items. So in English, the items are creation, secondary creation, maintenance of the universe, protection, and that protection is specifically for the Lord's devotees. Creative impetus for the jivas within the creation, falling under the general terminology of karma, although there is other creation by the jivas. Generally, when when we refer to creation in respect to the material energy, that that creation generally has uh, a result, the creative impulse generally bears a result, and that result is uh, referred to as a karmic reaction, either good or bad, sometimes for good, sometimes for bad. The changes of the manus, administration of the universe, and also a measurement of the time within the universe. And we'll touch upon that in a little bit of detail tonight. Science of God, or also the the reign of kings, 
the words can be translated in those two manners. But when referring to the reign of kings, we look at that reign of kings in relationship to those kings est establishing and maintaining within human society sad dharma, or dharma meant for the betterment of humanity. Dissolution, mukti, and ashraya, the supreme shelter. So as I said, we went over these for the most part in the last class, and let us bring ourselves up to date. We discussed sarga, the preliminary creation. This is the creation where the Lord glances upon prakriti, or also referred to as pradana, and impregnates all the jivas. There's some reactions there. Creation of uh, mahatattva combined consciousness or chitta before the imposition of the next factor in that destabilization of the modes of material nature the next factor being ahankar both in goodness passion and ignorance and from those the various manifestations of different aspects of creation, the material elements, the mind, uh, the intellect, the ten senses, uh, the sense objects. Then we looked at that creation as it was presented by the theist Kapila and presented in the Bhagavatam itself to his mother Devahuti. In that we see equalized modes of material nature that, as I said, prakriti, before it's glanced upon by the Lord, up through the stage where Brahma comes into the picture and, and does some more detailed uh, structuring within the universe by sending forth, both from himself uh, as the uh, as the, as the master of ceremonies for a universal creation. He even has some offspring that come directly from him. Even a manifestation of the Lord himself came out of his nose at one time. Is Narda an unborn son? The subsequent creation, yes. He's a direct son of Brahma. After that universe was, dis was dissolved, then the next time he came into the universe, then he was the son of Brahma. So, 26 items that constitute Sankhya, as presented by the theist Kapila, the Mahatattva, the Chitta, Ahankar, Manas, the mind, vacillating thing that we deal with that's saying yes at one time and no at another, as opposed to Bodhi, which is in intelligence in the material realm, looking at something and determining what exactly that thing is based on prior impressions of a similar thing or other things. When we see a cow, what's the first thing that comes to your mind? 
the first thing that flies into your into your intelligence when you see that cow. Cow. That's interesting because that gets you into a into an understanding of the primary meanings in Sanskrit because words have different meanings, primary, secondary. Sanskrit's a very complex language. First thing that pops into your mind when you see something, that's the primary, mukhivriti. That's the primary definition, the primary understanding. So when you see a cow, you think of a cow. When we think supreme absolute truth, immediately Krishna pops into our mind. Well, that isn't for all, all transcendentalists don't think Krishna. So therefore, for us, it's a primary definition. It's an equivalency. For others who are attracted, yes, attracted to the impersonalist or attracted to the Paramatma feature, when they hear supreme absolute, what do they think? Paramatma or Brahman. Booty, cognitive senses, grasping, walking, excreting, procreating, speaking. The cognitive senses, hearing, touching, seeing, smelling, tasting. The gross elements, earth, water, fire, air. The subtle elements, sound, tactility, form, taste, smell. That's 24 elements. We add to those the jivatma and then the paramatma. Those 26 items comprise the Sankhya philosophy. And you may ask, what about time? Because time is a potency of Paramatma, it's included with Paramatma. And there's different numbering systems and different ways of looking at Sankhya philosophy and what should or shouldn't be listed. But this is the presentation as presented in the Bhagavatam and as understood in our lineage. Visarga, the manifestation of the living entities, the myriad of bodies that are provided to the living entities so that they can continue where they left off in the last creation. They take up that again, and Brahma makes all those arrangements. Imagine his level of intelligence to be able to, to sense for every living entity what's their unfulfilled reactions and desires and providing him a appropriate body to carry on in the next manifestation of a universe. Amazing. It's a talent. Just try to grasp when we speak of the intelligence of a Brahma what's involved. And he has an assistance. Some of those assistants are mind-born so they're in his understanding. Examples of that, mind-born assistants that come before the progenitors who fill up the universe with the bodies for all those jivas, the procreators. What a job. I mean, there's a lot of living entities to deal with. But uh, the mind-born associates, uh, assistants of Manu, I mean of Brahma, Atri, Vasista, Daksha, Manu, and others, uh, Narda, as we spoke of. So the seeds of this creative process are the living entities, fruit 
seed-bearing activities, one seed after another, karmically. Next item, the third one, sustenance, vritti. Very simply put, ahastani sahastanam, apadani chatuspadam, Faguni tatra, mahatam, jivo, jivasya, jivanam. Simply put, sustenance of the living entities is arranged for very easily. One eats another. That's material existence. You are alive today because somebody died yesterday, or even today. There's no other way to sustain a body except at the expense of another body. That's the nature of the Lord's external energy. That brings us to this evening's class. And we're going to continue with the next item, Raksha. So the Srimad Bhagavatam verse from the 12th canto that Jiva Goswami puts in his Sandarbhas. He first, as we know, in a Sandarbha or a grouping of verses and explanations, he's trying to make a point. So in this particular Anucheda, he's quoting the verses from Sutta Goswami's 12th canto elaboration on the 10 topics of the Bhagavatam, wherein he's in a very general way speaking of those 10 items. 12.7.14 deals with Raksha. This is the verse. The activities of the various avatars of Bhagavan Achuta, the infallible Lord, who appear in this world in each age among the animals, human beings, sages, and celestial beings, devas, by which those inimical to the message of the three Vedas, the Daichas, are undone, is known as protection, raksha, of the universe. So the activities of Bhagavan, the infallible, Achuta, that appear in the world in each age, and the ages referred to here are in every single yuga. There's four yugas, the cycle, and there's 71 cycles of those yugas in an administration of Manu. There are 14 Manus in a day of Rama. Jiva Goswami, in his commentary on the verse by Sutta Goswami, says that within Raksha, there's really three things. There's also the Katha of the Supreme Lord, it's a new Katha, right? That's one of the ten items of the Bhagavatam. Stana and Posana. So stana, yes, maintenance or vritti. Stana, Posana, protection, and it's a new Katha, the science of God or the, the Leela, the manifestation of the different avatars. So, so you're saying that those three items, uh, they are like a part of, of Raksha? When we say Raksha, they're incorporated in it. The protection, again, the protection of the devotees is, is facilitated by 
the incarnations of the Lord, the avatars, and the katha related to that is a purifying agent or a protector for the devotees. Talking about raksha, raksha being protection. Uh, Stana, which is maintenance, because maintenance means to maintain the devotees, and as the verse explained that Jiva Goswami quoted, is to dispatch those that are in, adverse to them. And uh, posana, protection itself. As far as the Lord's appearance, he appears like Sri Krishna with the in the human society, Varaha in the animal society, like Narnarayan in the sages, Vamana amongst the devas, and Macha amongst the aquatics. The next item. So, uh, sorry for interrupting. So pretty much this the same like a pattern. It happens in every single yoga. Know, those 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 incarnations that you just named, they pretty much they appear every single time. You know, in a, in a cycle of four yugas. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So it sounds like these are like a, I don't know like a primary incarnations or something because I don't know the the other incarnations they also appear like I don't know like Hayagriva or, or some other. Uh, you know, do they also appear like systematically the same way like like those, or those are like exclusive ones? No, these are just examples. I see. No, these are not the only ones. These are just examples of the Lord appearing in within you, because he always also appears as Ram within human society. Mm -hmm. So these are just examples. Like you mentioned, Hari Griva. Uh, what is that? That's a half horse, half man, is it not? Yeah. So yeah. These are just examples of how the Lord appears. So the next item, the reign of Manus. This is the English of the verse by Sutta Goswami. The period of reign presided over by the ruling Manu, the general devas, the sons of Manu, the ruling devas such as Indra, the great sages, and the partial avatars of Lord Hari, is known as Manvantara, consisting of six elements. So the true intention, as we mentioned, of a Manvantara is to maintain Dharma. So really, we talked about Brahma and his level of intelligence, what to speak. Manu also has a, a lot of responsibility on his shoulders. And Manu, when he takes his post, when he assumes the presidency of a universe for his term, his administration are the various demigods. When we look to the term of an Indra, that term of an Indra is for the same duration as the term of a Manu, that particular Indra. So let's look at it just in some calculations. So it says that Brahma's day is 4,320,000,000 years. That's equivalent to 1,000 cycles of the four yugas. So that would be, one yuga would be 
4,320,000 years. The math is pretty simple on this one cycle. Kali Yuga is 432,000 years. Multiply it by two and you get Dwarpa Yuga, the length. Multiply it by three and you get Treta Yuga. Multiply it by four and you get Satya Yuga. Add them up. Four, three, two, and one. Four, seven, nine, ten. So that's an easy way if you want to know how long one of the yuga cycles is, you can use this simple formula. One cycle of the four yugas is 4,320,000 years. One day of Brahma is that times a thousand. Manu reigns for 71 cycles. That's Manu's reign. 14 times 71, because there's 14 Manus in the day of Brahma, brings you to the thousand yugas, yuga cycles. Let's talk about where we are. At present, we are in the period of the seventh Manu. Of the 14 Manus, we're in the seventh Manu. Vaivasvatu Manu. Oh, there's 14 Manus in a day of Brahma. In a day. Right. There was 71 Manus. 71 Yuga cycles in one Manu's reign. At present, we are in the period of the seventh Manu of the 14th. Seventh. Vaivasvatu Manu. Or more precisely, we're in the 5,000th, 112th year of Kali Yuga in the 28th Yuga cycle of the day of Brahma called the Sweta Varaha Kalpa during his 51st year. Brahma's 51 years old. Yes. <laughs> Brahma's 51 years old. The universe is halfway through and if, you're, if you stick around for another 49 you know, years of Brahma, remember each year is 365 days, then you'll be able to see a major dis dissolution of the universe. That brings us pretty soon to our next topic, dissolution. So, uh, I have a question about it. I'm trying to like uh, do the math thing mm -hmm. with the Manu. <laughs> For a Manu? Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, so, how many, like, uh, is 71, uh, 14 Manus, yes? 14 Manus. And they are in the Divide a thousand by fourteen. There's a thousand yuga cycles in Brahma's yeah. day. Divide a thousand by fourteen, because there's fourteen of them. Each one, one of them, their reign will be about seventy-one yuga cycles. And we are in the seventh now. Twenty-eight. No, we are in the seventh manu. Seventh manu. Oh, yeah. Okay, seventh manu. So we are like, seventh out of fourteen. Yeah, so we are like in the halfway. Yes. Yeah. Yes. The next Manu, the eighth Manu, yes. And remember, Krishna only appears once in the day of Brahma. So he only appears during the 
Vivus Vatu Manu, he only appears then during his reign. So, does that answer your question, though? I was just like, uh, for a second, uh, I mean, like, for me, I was just like trying to figure out, you know, we are in Kalyuga right now. You know? Yes. And this is like, comes like in the half of the middle of, of Brahma's life and uh, in the half of the manas. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was just like, thinking like, because the cycle is that, you know, you have, you have Satya Yoga, you have like the the biggest chunk of time. Yeah. And you have, uh, how to say, Treja, Vapa, and Kalyuga is yes. like short, you know, yes. and you have new cycle starts. Yes. So, uh, somewhere or other, I was just like, in my mind, thinking that, you know, why we are in the middle of Manus, you know, I was just like, that's a whole other, that's a whole other calculation. Yeah. And right. So, I was just like trying, you know, those two, two different calculations. Right. Two, yes, you know, correct. Because he's saying here, we're saying we're in the seventh Manu, so we're like almost in the middle of a day of Brahma, and in the 28th Yuga cycle... Is it 28 out of the 71? 28th out of the 71, which is the reign of, the, of this Vivasvatu Manu. Right. Now, Krishna mentions this in speaking to Arjuna on the battlefield of Kurukshetra. I instructed this science to the sun god and he instructed it to his son. Should we move on? Has everybody got the time thing under control? It's a long time Brahma lives. A lifetime of Brahma? But to him it's just the same Exact, Exactly. That's exactly an understanding you need to have because a moment and a year on earth is gone. A moment. He looked away for an instant and he looked back and the the coward boys are still there. It's not like he went back home and waited a year. Ah, let me go back in and check on Krishna. No, he looked away and he looked back and, my gosh, they're still there playing. I just, well, are they playing or are they in the cave? What's going on here? Momentarily. Momentarily. That's how quick. So if you, that's Brahma's time. Brahma's time is different than the time on the heavenly planets, which is a different time. It's quite an administration, this, this universal story, affairs. Somebody went to see Brahma because he wanted his daughter, and, and then everybody was dead by the time. <laughs> yeah, the whole, yeah, the, yeah. Right. Yugas had passed. Yeah. Yeah, all those people are gone. <laughs> Your daughter is gone. Yes. The king Indra Jumna, when he went, that's my understanding from the Bhagavatam, yes. Mm -hmm. you, their, hundred, their lifetime is their hundred years. Mm -hmm. That's their sense of it, whether it's a day in our life, Chigger. <laughs> 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 All right, going on to the next item. So we have the Manvantaras. Now we have Vamsa, the dynasty of kings, equal to what Sukadev Goswami referred to as Isanu Katha, 
the same thing, the reason we can see that, that Sridhar Swami would equate the two is what? Both of them speak to the maintenance of Dharma in human society. Because when we look at a dynasty of kings, we're looking at a dynasty of rulers, and those rulers have to be godly to keep their positions. Because what? God himself makes sure of it. And their offspring, just like Maharaj Parikshit, uh, you know, he was a godly man because that was how he was brought up and that's how these rulers were. Let me read the uh, English translation of the verse. The succession of kings of pure descent originating from, originating from Brahma and extending continuously throughout the past, present, and future is known as Vamsa, the dynasty of great kings. The account of such dynastic kings and especially of their most prominent descendants who uphold the sanctity of the line constitute the subject of dynastic history. Vamsyanu Charita. It's just hard for us to get our mind around. We haven't had any exposure of late to this kind of administration in human society. We're in Kali Yuga. I would say that if we were to look to the Kauravas, they insulted Drupadi. And that's what, I mean, they'd also done other things to hold on to the throne. But that was a major break in the religious standard, the standard of society. To insult a woman publicly, that was enough to show that they were not competent to rule. And that's what, that was the real spark that lit the fire that, now they worked up and worked up to this position, but when they did that, that was the straw that broke the proverbial back of their keeping their position as rulers of the world. That was it. The Pandavas had to take action then. They had no choice. This, these people can't stay in power. They've got to go. And then you had a battle. But I would say that the probably to look to any current leaders that we have knowledge of, Dhritarashtra and his son were ideal leaders. You see what I'm saying? But ideal, when we look to those kind of societies, what is the, that's the highest ideal. Maintaining an ideal that can carry the whole of human society so that every woman is appreciated, every living entity is appreciated. That you, you just don't, there's certain things, there's certain codes you cannot break and be the ruler of the world. Otherwise, Krishna's going to come personally, yadai yadai dharm asya, glanir bhavati bharata. I come again and again. This, we need to maintain sad dharma, perfect dharma, a dharma where the jivas, especially those who have come to the human form, are given the same opportunities to realize their full spiritual potential under adequate protection by the leaders of society. You asked me earlier, what 
what's this have? That's what it has to do with. It has to do with this is required. What we see now in this country, this is the worst state of mankind. You, can you imagine? Boy, what our Judah would have a heyday today. Why? He was such a devotee. What did he say? When he went back and had to break the news to Eudistir that I have no power. You can figure out from I lost my dear most friend. With his friendship, with his support, there's nothing I couldn't do on the battlefield, which was like an ocean. Bhishma and Karna and Drona, I defeated them. These people defeated tens of thousands of people like themselves by themselves, and I was able to defeat them. I was to able to get off of my chariot and dig a well so my horses could be watered, and they couldn't touch me because I had Krishna's protection. This brings us to the very last Anucheda. Number 63 in the Tattva Sandarbha. It's description of the first nine topics intuitively signify the tenth, the Asraya, part two. Liberation, samsta, and dissolution. This is Sutta Goswami's verse. There are four types of com- cosmic dissolution. Now when we, when we hear this verse, go through it, what... What Jiva is saying is this verse from the 12th canto deals with both dissolution and liberation. So both things are included. Does that make sense? Because in Sukadev's verse, they're specifically dealt with separately. Naroda, dissolution, and mukti. There are four types of cosmic dissolution. Vimitika, occasional. Pakritika, total, nitya constant, and achyantika, ultimate. That last one, anyantika, is where, where we get into mukti. Because that is a dissolution of all karma for one jiva. When a jiva in samsara, his dissolution of that karma is referred to as the anyantika. Learned authorities authorities refer to these four types of dissolution which occur under the influence of the Lord's own inherent potency, swabhav, as samsta, dissolution of the creation. Then he goes right on into Hetu, which is the creative impulse in relationship to that. This is Sutta Goswami's next verse. Out of ignorance, the living being, the jiva, becomes identified as the performer of action. And in this sense is the cause, Hetu, of the creation, maintenance, and destruction of the universe. In this regard, some authorities 
refer to the jiva as the empiric self having consequences attached to its acts for which it is temporarily disconnected during the period of dissolution, while others refer to it as avyakrita, the same empirical self no longer disconnected from its self-imposed designations, upadis, at the inception of creation, thus becoming instrumental in bringing forth the creation. Seems like a mouthful, but let's just take it apart and look at it. It's not. Some authorities, when they look to the jiva, they look at the jiva as its essence. So when you look at the jiva as its essence, this is the jiva without any upadis. A jiva who's not come into contact with the material manifestation and taking on an affiliation with that material manifestation based on false ego. I am a this, I am a that. Some people look at the jiva independent. They look at the jiva with spiritual vision as it is before a cosmic manifestation. So they have a very spiritual vision of the, of the jiva. When they see a living entity, they realize this is a consciousness that's taken on a form within material nature based on a misidentification. That misidentification being what? An apati. It's taken on qualities of the material energy as if it, those were its own qualities. But it isn't. Those aren't its qualities. It's pure consciousness. And we can see its pure consciousness in its unmanifest form before a material manifestation in the cycle of what we would call creation and destruction of a universe. So when the jiva is within the supreme, before the supreme glances, agitates material nature with those jivas, that's one way the jiva is seen. Now, the, uh, another way to look at the jiva is in his conditioned state. Which way do you want to look at the jivas? Which way do you want to be looked at? Would be a better question. So jiva's explaining here, well, what Sutta Goswami is explaining is when we look to Hetu, or the creative impulse, let's see it in relationship to the jiva. The jiva, when the jiva is not in a position where it can create, right? It's dormant within the body of the Supreme Lord. And when the jiva is within the material manifestation and has the ability to create primarily karma. So the jiva divested of apatis during dissolution prior to the overlay of phenomenality. What's that mean? Phenomena. Phenomenality. Prior to that. But then, during creation, jiva has self-appropriated upadis. 
self-appropriated. No one gave you the apodis. You took them on. Yes, by your activities, by your desire. I'll stop there. Any questions? Yes, sir. So, uh, could you one more time uh, explain why Svetasvami, uh, he combines dissolution and liberation in one, as a one, you know, like he doesn't distinguish much? I didn't get there tonight. I'll go over it quickly with you. Basically, the fourth, there's four kinds of dissolution. There's occasional. Occasional means at the end of Brahma's day, there's a temporary one, and at the end of Amanvantara, Jiva Goswami points out in his commentary on his own Tattvasandarbha, he points out that also at the end of, of Manu's time, and he gives different evidences, uh, there's also a temporary dissolution there. So at the end of Brahma's day and at the end of a a rate of Manu, there's a temporary dissolution. They are equal, like, you know, it is up to Brahma. Don't know. In this particular text, it didn't go in, into the details of it. So that's the, that's one of the dissolutions. Naimitika, occasional. Then there's Prakritika. That's when Prakriti, the material manifestation itself, comes to an end. So this is when everything goes into Lord Vishnu. Correct. So that's a total devastation of a universe, yeah. one universe. Then there's Nitya, constant. There's a constant dissolution. Welcome to your world. You might make it a hundred years. When they say Nitya, there's a dissolution for every jiva all the time. <laughs> Nitya. Nitya dissolutions are going on at every moment within the material universes because the living entities are coming and going continually. And the last one is Achyantika dissolution. And that's when you, one jiva, ends samsara. That's mukti. Yes. Anything else? Thank you so much for your association. Hare Krishna.